you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. And I'm preaching what's called a topical message. I do that on Sunday nights. On Wednesday nights, I do exposition. We've been going through Bible studies and looking at a passage. And then on uh, Sunday mornings, we do exposition. Sunday nights, we do topical stuff. Hayden Robinson, the great scholar, uh, wrote a great book, hermeneutical teaching, uh, teacher uh, in seminary. He said, I do a topical once in a while, and then I ask for forgiveness. And that's a joke, but... The best, the best way to go about the Bible is verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible. That's just the best way. But sometimes it's good just to jump all over. And we're going to do that tonight as we look at this little word friend. What kind of friend are you? We're going to look at five different Greek words, translated friend, tell you about the words and how they're used in Scripture. And we'll look at several passages. Matthew, of course, is the writer of this great book, you know that, The Tax Collector. What an awesome guy. He gets saved, and the first thing he does is has a banquet. Invites all the tax collectors and Jesus, you know. And that's just so awesome because so many times we trust the Lord and we don't reach our coworkers. We don't reach anybody. We just keep it quiet. And he didn't do that. Ended up being a follower of Christ. And what a great testimony he was as one of the, uh, as all except John, died as a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 19. When you have that, let's stand and read that. Chapter 11, verse 19. In fact, you just have to love this verse, don't you? The Son of Man, now what is that right, reference to? The fact that it was Mary's child? No, much more than that. That's the incarnation. That he was fully human, yet God. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Of course, Jesus is speaking. They said he's a friend of publicans and sinners. What kind of person is this? Says he's a Messiah, but he's friends with those kinds of people. Well, I want to be like Jesus which means I'm going to have to be kind to sinners and not look at them with condemnation, but look at them as lost souls for whom Christ died. We learned about the Lord's compassion this morning, didn't we? He just loves sinners and he wants them to be saved. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. That Lord will apply something to our life to grow closer to you. And Lord, I want to be like Abraham, a friend of God. I I want to to listen to you when you talk and to obey you when you speak. I want to be close to you. I want to be in your inner circle like Peter, James, and John. I want to lay my head on your chest like John during those last moments of intimate fellowship. And Lord, all of us desire that. Help us to strive for that, to be more like Jesus. Blessed now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to look at several different uses of this word and, and explain the word. We're going to look at Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 is our next stop. Acts chapter 12. Reference this passage this morning. Acts chapter 12 and uh, verse 20. It says here in Acts 12:20 And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. Now remember Herod was supposed to be the king for the Jews, we'd say, appointed of course that position 
very insecure man. All the Herod people were evil. You know that. I mean, from John the Baptist to Jesus, they were all just terrible, terrible people. Herod the Great was only called great because he was a great builder. None of these people were any good. In fact, they were Edomites. Edomites. And so here's Herod, and he's upset with two of the cities that were part of the control of Rome at this time. It says, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. Of course, Israel had been taking care of these two cities. And so it says they came with the king's chamberlain, or excuse me, made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend. And this is an interesting word. It's only used one time in the whole New Testament, this Greek word. And really it means to pacify or to convince someone. It really has to do with manipulating someone to get your way. It's people you rub shoulders with. And that's here the word friend, but it's the Greek word's only used once. And uh, I just call this a business associate is what I've entitled this in my text. We have business associates, people we have to mingle with. We act as though we're friends, but it's not someone who's real close. You just use one another for business purposes, and, and that's what kind of friend he was. Then look at uh, Mark, Mark chapter 5 and verse 19. Mark chapter 5, and of course you know about Mark, better known as John Mark, one of the... Uh, Writers of the Gospels, Mark chapter 5 and verse 19, we find another word. And this word is only found twice in all of the New Testament, in all of the Bible, because the New Testament is written in Greek. It's only found twice in the entire New Testament. It's found here in Mark 5, uh, 19 and Mark 3, 21. In 5, 19... We'll read this. It says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion unto thee. Here's this maniac. <laughs> He's a demon-possessed guy. And the Lord touches him and says, Go home and tell your friends. And we know that this is a reference to a neighbor's in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, in chapter 3, verse 21, his friends were probably his family. Remember, the Bible says his friends thought he was a lunatic. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus' family thought Jesus was nuts. I mean, here he comes out of the meeting. When he's 12, he goes into the temple, and he comes out. He knows more than everyone in the temple, and he begins to do things. He's hated. He's threatened. So his family thinks, and he's 30 now, but his family thinks, What's wrong with him? Is he out of his mind? He's making enemies. And, and they thought Jesus was crazy. And here, this word here is a personal pronoun, actually. And uh, it, it's a word uh, meaning thine own or belonging to someone. It can refer to a relative or a neighbor and uh, people who are close to you in certain ways. Not a loving relationship and not a casual relationship. This is a step up, so to speak. And Jesus told the man who was now of a sound mind, go tell your friends, which could include relatives as well. And that's how the word's used in connection with Jesus. So it's only found twice, here and in the same book, chapter 3 and verse 21. And then we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to have several passages in Matthew. And interesting because in Matthew chapter 20, 
22 and 26, Matthew 20 is where we'll go first, verse 13. We found this word only used three times in all the New Testament and all three times by Matthew. Matthew. So he uses this Greek word three times. And we would call these fair weather friends. Now that's a slogan I learned when I was young. I had someone who kind of used me for something and my mom or dad or someone in the family said, that's just a fair weather friend. They use you because they need something and as soon as they're done with you, they discard you. And that's, that's the word here. These are people who cling to you for what they can get out of you. They cling to you for what they can get out of you. I, I love two Proverbs, and, and I'll, we'll go back to Matthew, but two Proverbs. Proverbs are wise sayings. That's what the word proverb means, wise sayings. There's two wise sayings you want to hear. In Proverbs 14, 30, it says, The rich hath many friends. Isn't that true? The rich, they have many friends. You know people who are rich, and because of their money, people are always around them. And, and then another great verse in, in Proverbs 19, 6, it says, A man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. <laughs> same, same idea. A man's a friend to people who give gifts, who give money away, gifts away. And so that's the idea here, those who cling to you. It can mean comrade, which is, uh, you know, in military you have a comrade. You're, you're, you're in a foxhole with him. You get to know him. But as soon as the, the military tour is over, you don't really keep up with a guy because you weren't real tight with him. But here, it's, I call it a fair weather friend. In Matthew chapter 20, we have this disgruntled union employee. And this is the householder, the parable of the householder, chapter 20 and verse 13. And you know that uh, people came to work for, for the, 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 uh, the laborers came to work for the householder, the man who owned the field. And, and one would come and say, I'll work for you all day. And he said, I'll give you a penny a day. And they agreed and go out and work. Three hours later, another guy comes and says, I'll work for you the rest of the day. He said, I'll, I'll give you a penny. And he worked the rest of the day. And it, you, know, you know the story. It gets down to the last guy comes an hour before the day's done. He said, I'll give you a penny to work the rest of the day. So the others complain and saying, this is not fair. You know, we've worked all day. But the lesson is that they agreed to that. What's happened in our country? Uh, we rent half of our duplex to a lawyer. A lawyer, and certainly a lawyer, they, they could take advantage. You know, you've heard of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, uh, that practice. You know how we, we didn't do a lease. I just shook hands with him and said, I trust you. Just make a donation to our mission, mission to use the building, and he's been great for two or three years. And uh, we've become friends. And he's just, like, blown away that I would shake hands with him and agree like that. And I thought, well, I know it's risky. You just have to trust people. And, and I'm not saying to you not to do away with contracts. No, sign your contracts, okay? I'm just saying it's sad when we aren't letting our yay be yay and our nay be nay. We just have a dishonest culture. You know it, and others even you know it. So use your contracts. But here are people that orally agreed, and then all of a sudden they're mad. They want more money, but that's not what they agreed to. Then look at chapter 22, and, and we read the verse, thir- did I read verse 13? I don't even think I did. Hold on, let me read verse 13, chapter 20. I'm so sorry, you're thinking, where, where is the word friend? Verse 13, and the man came complaining, we've worked all day for the same pay, and Jesus answered and said unto them, and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Friend, I didn't do, you, I didn't do any wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. All right, now 22, sorry about that. 
I get to talking and I forget to even read the verse. 22, 12, and 13. Here is now the unprepared wedding guest. And again, this is another parable. We went through the parables in chronological order on Wednesday nights. You remember that. A parable is not a true story. But it's a story to illustrate truth. And Jesus used them all the time, didn't he? I love the Lord. He's the master of the language, isn't he? He's the master teacher, the perfect teacher, the rabbi. I'd I'd love to sit on him. And you know one day I'm going to. Because the Bible says in the millennial temple, he's going to teach. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for us to go and sit in that temple and hear him teach? Think of the greatest teacher that you've ever sat under in your life. And multiply that times a million. (laughs) Or a billion. You can't over-exaggerate how great Jesus is going to be as a communicator. He knows exactly what to say and when to say it. He knew what's in the heart of man and knew what they needed. And I love that about our Lord. But here's the unprepared wedding guest, a parable again. Verses 20, chapter 22, 12, and 13. It says here, here's a man, he's not prepared. And he saith unto him, friend, how comest thou in thither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then he said to the king, the servants, to the, to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This guy was invited, but didn't show up properly. And of course, there's a great lesson here. Be prepared. Another great lesson is is to, to know the Lord. Because there's going to be a wedding one day. And there's so many practical applications here. But here the word friend is used again. Uh, and again, fair-weathered friends, they show up to a wedding guest, wedding guest, show up as wedding guests. I was up on Signal Mountain. I, I was doing a wedding up there. Uh, Joey Sheriff and his wife did their wedding, had a great time. Went to the reception, sat at a table, and there were two empty chairs, and there wasn't any name tag. Everybody that was invited sat in their places. And I said to Joey, I said, there's two places here. So, no, he said, um, we, um, you know, we did, we just had a couple extra in case a relative traveled we weren't expecting. So this couple comes and sits down, and, and Joey, the groom, and Kristen later say to me, who are those people? I said, I don't know. Well, they, we don't know them either. So I got to talk with the people. Oh, they said, we, we, we go to weddings all the time. We just pop in. We go to the receptions. We love weddings. And I thought, you're not invited? And you show up? Hey, you have to have a lot of guts to show up. The food was good. I'm sure they were pleased. It was just kind of an odd thing. But, you know, we're usually invited guests. And do you know the Lord invites sinners to a great wedding party? But if they're not prepared, what's going to happen? Well, here, uh, chapter 26 and verse 50. And this is going to blow you away a little bit. Chapter 26 and verse 50, and we referenced this this morning. You know, Psalm 41, verse 9, David said, Mine own familiar friend betrayed me. We talked about prophetic messianic psalms. Many of your psalms, songs of the Old Testament, were prophetic. It talked about what's happened in the life of that person, and then it pointed ahead to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, like Psalm 22, all about the crucifixion. Isn't that great? The good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. Psalm 23, the great shepherd who sustains the sheep. I love Psalm 23. Psalm 24, he's going to come back for the sheep. The chief shepherd. And the Bible in the New Testament calls him the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. He's going to come again one day for the sheep. 
But those are, Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. And here, Psalm 41, about Judas betray, or David being betrayed and Judas also betraying the Lord Jesus. And David's life was a man named Ahithophel. But anyway, that's a mouthful. 2620, let's read this. And you know the story. Jesus is eating the Passover with his disciples. And in verse uh, 50, they've sat there for a while. Of course, we know uh, Jesus is arrested and all that. Um, and in verse 50, this is really heartbreaking. Can you imagine how the Lord felt? You know, this is a Passion Week, we call it. How passionate was Jesus? Went to the garden and prayed all night. He wept when he saw the holy city. He suffered the agony of the cross, and he suffered betrayal. He suffered because Peter denied him. Those were hurtful things. Remember, while the Lord never sinned, he couldn't have sinned because he was impeccable. He still felt pain, emotionally and physically. It broke his heart when Peter denied him. It broke his heart when Judas betrayed him. And it breaks his heart when you and I sin. Did you know that? In fact, when the psalmist repented, what did he say? Against thee only have I sinned. The most important person that's hurt when you sin is not your wife or children. And that's disastrous anyway, isn't it, to hurt them? But it's hurting the Lord. He sees everything because his eyes are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So look at verse uh, 50. He's in the garden and Judas comes and Jesus said unto him, Friend... What are you doing here? I'm paraphrasing. Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Friend, he says to Judas. Again, remember, these are fair-weathered friends. Judas was along for the ride but never truly knew God. The sad thing is he realized shortly thereafter that Jesus must have been the Messiah. He was so broken, he committed suicide. Two accounts. One says he hung himself. Another says he slammed into the rocks and his guts came out. And most scholars say, well, back then they had trees near cliffs and they would hang themselves and jump out, snap their neck quickly, and then slam back into the rocks and cut themselves all up. And scholars believe that's how you reconcile those two accounts. I know this. There's no controversy with the Word of God. It's all inspired. God breathed. And we're thankful for it. But that's how they, they say those two accounts. But anyway, anyway, here, here we find he's called friend, Judas. Man, what a friend. And uh, fourth, the fourth word friend is found uh, uh, 12 times in the New Testament. We're not going to look at each occasion, but we're going to look at a few. And these are people who are committed. Committed people. In fact, you know the Greek word, philios. The city of Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love. And I wouldn't call it that city today, but that's the name of it. One year they led the whole nation in murders. You don't want to go to Philadelphia and get a little love. Uh, it's pretty dangerous. But that's what the word means. And that's a love that we're supposed to have for one another. In fact, we're supposed to have agape love, agape love as well. But none of us really love like Jesus loved. We, we try real hard to love our wives that way or our husbands, and we, we try hard to love our children, but nobody can love on the same level as Jesus. In fact, 
when Peter denied him, he finally said to Peter, after saying, agape, do you love me? Agape, do you love me? He said, Philios, do you love me? And Peter could say, yes. You know, finally realized he couldn't love like he should have loved. And had he loved like he should have loved, he wouldn't have denied the Lord. I love Peter. I talked about him this morning, how he wept and that serious weeping he did. And so here is this great word, Philios. And it's translated friend. It's also translated love many, many, many times in your Bible, but it's translated friend 12 times. So let's look at a few of these occurrences. We read the first one already in Matthew eleven nineteen, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 7, the beloved physician. We talked about him this morning. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. And we read already from Acts 19, this same parallel passage where it says Jesus is a friend of sinners. Isn't that interesting? He's a friend of sinners. He has a brotherly love to people who are lost. In chapter 7, verse 34, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a winebibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, this is interesting. We're told to hate sin, love the sinner. It's hard to love sinful people. But if we can learn to love them with a brotherly love, we can win them to Christ. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And I don't sing very well. That's a great song. Our love for one another is a testimony, and our love for lost people is a testimony. How many times we pass by people who have great needs, and we justify passing them up, we have some, something more important. Yeah, the guy is a bomb. He's not working. You don't know his circumstances. He could have lost everything. Stock market crash. Lost his home. Lost his wife. Now he's under a bridge somewhere. You know, I don't know. Each case is different. But there are people out there suffering who we need to befriend. And, uh, I, you know... Just being able to help, I, I was going to share a story, but I'm not going to share that now. But we need to look for opportunities to befriend people. And so he's called here a friend of sinners. Look at chapter 11 of Luke. Chapter 11 of Luke, verses 5 to 9. The word is used here again. Luke 11, 5 to 9. Here, it's talking about someone who's a friend in the time of need. Luke eleven five. And he said unto them, which of you have a friend? And shall go into him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is on his journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he goes on to say, you know, what kind of friend would he be if he didn't get up and come to the door and help you? And so obviously the teaching here is a friend in the time of need. And of course, Jesus is our friend in the time of need, isn't he? And he's speaking here. And, of course, all these are uh, uh, pointing to the Lord Jesus and his friendship. And so he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And, of course, uh, he taught Jesus. It says in verse 1, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he goes on to pray the the great Lord's Prayer. Let me make just a comment or two on this because people don't even know how to pray today. You know you're supposed to pray to? The Father. Did you know that? In the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to slam you down for saying, dear Jesus. But you're supposed to pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he teaches them how to pray. He says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the first thing Jesus does is magnify the name of the Father. 
What's the first thing we should do? You see, that's the second thing we should do. Jesus never sinned, so he didn't need to do what we, we do first. Remember that catheter where he cleanses you? You know that? I'm going to drill that into you till you, you know that. 1 John 1, 9, where he cleanses us, sticks that catheter, and all the yuck comes out. That's the word, catheter. But Isaiah 59, 1, 2 says, The Lord is not slack, his hand cannot save, or his ear cannot hear, but he doesn't hear you because of your sin. The Bible said, he will not hear you. Isaiah 66, 18, if we, uh, if we hide iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. So the first thing you do when you pray is you confess your sin. And if you have unconfessed sin, you're wasting your time praying. God doesn't hear you. My neighbor, Alex Cutchins, he's, he's gone now. I used to witness to him. And uh, he'd tell me, I don't believe in the Lord because my grandfather was dying of cancer. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I think I told you this story a year or two ago. But, and he said, nothing happened. God didn't answer my prayer. And I said, because he didn't know you. I was young, but I knew that scripture. He does not hear the prayer of a sinner unless that prayer is for God to save them. He may in a sovereign way work out an opportunity for that guy to be saved. He may help him out of a circumstance. But he's not listening to them. He's not answering their prayer. He's doing it because he's God and he's sovereign. So the first thing you need to do as a believer, if you're lost, you need to get saved. But as a believer, you need to confess your sin and then hallow his name. Hallowed be thy name. And then he goes on to pray all these things and he ends up asking for things. Gives us a day our daily bread and all that. And that's way off the subject of the word friend. But we find here in, uh, let's see, verses 5 to 9, he says, friend, friend, friend. a friend will not deny someone during a time of need. Then chapter 11, or no, yeah, John, excuse me, chapter 11, not Luke, the gospel of John. John is 92% unique. And I love John, the one Jesus loved. He calls himself that five times. A friend of mine preached a five-point outline on the five times Jesus loved. And he's with the Lord, been with the Lord a long time. And I preached to just his church down in Atlanta, and his wife came up. I didn't even know he'd gone there. She said, you remind me of a husband. I said, who's that? She told me who he was. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I, I preached at his church, but he was a great preacher. And he'd talk about the, how the five times that Jesus loved. And here is John chapter 11. And, and John, of course, one of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Oh, they followed him to the garden, into the mountaintop. Great stuff. You need to read all that. But John eleven eleven. These, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. The one we love with that brotherly love. He's just asleep, he says. Then over in verse 35. Actually, uh, well, Jesus wept. I think we could all memorize that verse in a day or two. But... He had this filios love for him, and I was going to point at another place where the word friend is used in the text. But he loved him, and he wept out of empathy for his, his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, who were suffering. But we weep with those who weep. If you really have a friend, you're broken when he's broken. And Jesus is that type of friend, isn't he? To weep with them just like he weeps with us. Tells us that in Hebrews chapter 5. Now John chapter uh, 15. And we'll be done momentarily because we're going to find three places in here. John chapter 15 where the word friend is used. First of all, 
Jesus lays down his life in verse 13. Jesus expects us to obey in verse 14. And Jesus shares his secrets with us. So mark these. John was one who believed in getting very close to the Lord. I like that. He had a deeper life, a deeper walk. Verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is saying that. He's about to go to the cross. He's letting them know, I love you guys with a filios love. Of course, he loved them with greater love than that as well. Verse 14, he expects us to obey. Ye are my friends, mark this, if ye do whatever I command you. How many people, you know, oh, I love the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. They don't do what God tells them to do. If you love the Lord, you do what he asks you to do. Then third, here in the text, the seventh, he shares his secrets with us. I love this. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what his Lord doeth. He doesn't know what his master doeth, does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. Isn't that awesome? Boy, I'd like to have been sitting there. <laughs> and I, I can sit at the feet of Jesus today, but I can't wait to see him, to touch him, and to be with him. And then John uh, we're not going to turn here, but James chapter 2, verse 23. It says, Abraham was a friend of God. I love that. Wouldn't you like to be called a friend of God? Abraham was a friend of God. And then finally in James 4.4, 4, sadly, James 4.4 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world, it goes on and really says, makes you enemies of God. If you love the world and the things of the world, you commit spiritual adultery. When you're friends of the world, don't love the world. Don't be a friend of the world. Be a friend of God like Abraham. Two wise sayings and we'll close. Proverbs again, 17, 17 says, A friend loveth at all times. They don't use you and discard you. You know what a friend does? Even when you make mistakes, even when you embarrass your friends, they still love you. They're there for you. I love that. Jesus is that kind of friend. We're supposed to be like Jesus. And then 1824 Proverbs, a friend sticketh closer than a brother. You know, in God's family, you can have people you're much closer to than your own physical family. Do you know that? I have Christian friends in my life that I'm really tight with more so than even my own brothers. And my brothers are Christians, but friendship, the filios love, really unifies and our church needs to be one like that. When someone makes a mistake, we don't just discard them. Even if they've embarrassed their family in the church, we still have to be a friend during their difficult time. Oh, friendship sometimes includes rebuke, doesn't it? To say to a good friend, you know, I just want to tell you I love you, you've been my friend, but you know what, you're really out of line. What you're doing is wrong. It's hard to do. As a pastor, I'm grateful I haven't had to do that here. In Okinawa, I had to have a man stand up who I really loved. He stood and told the church, I had an affair. I cheated on my wife. I wanted to ask the church to forgive me. And the church wept with him. Because he repented, he didn't have to be put out of the church or disciplined. But you know what? He ended up being faithful. He grew because of it. And sometimes friendship means speaking the truth in love. It's hard to do. But I want to be that kind of friend. And that's the kind of friend our Lord Jesus is to us. Let's pray. God, thank you for 
your friendship to us for the Lord Jesus' friendship. And Lord, in we are, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for that. No greater friend than someone who lays down his life. And of course, we know, God, that you love us with that highest love, agape love. And Jesus does as well because you gave him and he sacrificed his life for us. And that's the highest expression of love. And and Lord, we don't measure up. We're supposed to try. But thank you for your love. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come and pray, we're going to sing one verse of a hymn. Thank you, Bryce.